In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled, episode number seven. Today's guest, Vinny Fisher. My name's Tony Grebmeyer. I'm glad you're here. Coach, mentor, and just a good friend, all around guy, Vinny Fisher, stopping by the show as we get into talk about tactics, family, fitness, faith, all the good stuff, and how sometimes when we get in business and in life, we feel like nobody can chime in and take over at what we're good at because we know maybe just what we're good at isn't the stuff we actually should be doing. We're stuck. And he's going to help today to break some myths about being stuck in your business and in your life and be vulnerable. And that's one thing that I ask Vinny. And anytime we get to talk, we just break all these barriers down. So you really get to who we are and at the core, what we want out of business and in life. So get ready just to have a good time, learn about getting out of the way of your shadow, how to allow others to help you to scale and grow your business. We're talk about tactics for hiring the right people and his new company total team is going to be a big part of this subject today as we look about what does it look like for you to hire the right people for your team and he's helped me a lot in my business journey in the last three years to kind of scale from a seven-figure mindset to really eight figures and beyond so welcome to the show today's guest Vinny fisher awesome buddy thanks pal doing great So one of the reasons why i want to have you on the show is i think you kind of lay out what fulfillment looks like because you've seen so much along your journey from, you know, you earned your law degree early on. I'm going to give you some credit. You've been an entrepreneur for well over 18 years. You have had many successes along the way, good and bad, but all life lessons more or less. And one of the reasons why I thought you would be prime for the show is because I think you can cut through a lot of the noise And dispunk a lot of the myths that are out there, like hustle more, work harder, put in endless nights, and then forget about everything else that was so important to you. So first question I love to ask on the show is, what does success look like to you? Right, go with the easy questions right out of the gate, right, Tony? Go for the easy ones. You know, I will tell you, you know, I I look at my life in seasons. And had you asked me that a little bit earlier in my, you know, a few seasons ago, I may have pointed to some, you know, pre eight figure businesses and wanted certain, you know, milestones in in business. Now at this season and where I am in my life, I'll tell you, for me, you know, success looks like when I'm following what I was designed and built for. And when I'm doing those things purposefully, everything seems to be in alignment. And when I'm doing those things, Everything else like tastes better, intimacy better. That's for you, babe. Everything is just so I, I success looks like now for me, bud, where this idea like where I'm actually performing in alignment with the things that I think I'm designed and built to do. I like that. So design, purposeful, alignment, it more intimacy, just more kind of I want to say you've probably applied some new principles to your life. Your methodology changed a little bit because you got certain of some things that maybe weren't working so well. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden you're like, all right, cool. I know if I just stay in this lane, I do these things. I have a really good life, but you're an entrepreneur. And so, you know, as we're going to climb success mountain today, we're going to talk about some of the things 
that almost pull you off of the mountain of success because they're the things that entrepreneurs love to do, even though it's straight up to the top. You're like, well, we're going to go over here. We're going to go over here. We're going to pivot. We're going to actually try some new things. And next thing you know, you've, have you ever found yourself hanging on by a rope going, oh my gosh, like what the heck did I just do? And you're hanging on to the side of the mountain and you're like, oh my gosh, like I just blew this business up. I just, how did this deal go sideways? Have you ever experienced that before? <laughs> I, I laugh because, I mean, some of my largest lessons that have really defined me as a person are exactly what you just described. You know, I, I at one point had a top 10 shared web hosting company in the world, not even just in North America. And we were, we were competing with our friends at GoDaddy for signups on a daily basis, turned down a gigantic letter of intent, had hundreds of employees, was like the darling of our space. And I broke it. Mm, All right. So we're going to talk about that today. And I'm going to lay out the premise for you and for everybody else tuning in. So we're going to take Vinny up Success Mountain. We're going to talk about being at the top of your game. And then what does it look like to stay there, but then also to humble yourself enough to step back down a little bit so that you can understand, like, what did you just do? Because I believe that's the reflection piece. It's so important because when I'm at the very top and I can't see anybody else around me, something swells in me and that's my ego. And I start doing things out of being cocky and arrogant and I'm not pleasing people around me. And they're like, look at that guy. He has it all, but he's going to throw it all away because the only thing he can think of is himself. Then we're going to come back down through some switchbacks all the way down to the bottom. And at the end of this journey, we'll go into the fulfillment round today. And we're going to ask you a bunch of questions that have no meaning. Like, I'm not going to tell you any of them, but they're going to be fun. You'll have a good time answering them. You may be mad at me afterwards, but... The whole idea is to just kind of take a little walk. I'm mad at you before the questions. All right, good. So you talk about blowing up businesses, but let's talk about like how you went from, you know, practicing law to saying, I'm going to practice law, but I have this idea over here about what it would be like to be an entrepreneur full time. How did you go to, did you run your own practice or were you a partner? Tell me a little bit about that. I left a big law firm where I was trained, big fancy firm here where I live and big, a lot of lawyers quickly knew I was um, able to generate business and revenue and clientele. I joined two other lawyers and we grew up a a law firm and did a really great job at it. And that law firm would probably exist today, except for some character breakdown at the partner level. And we all broke up. And before all that, I had already started what looked like a non-traditional legal entrepreneur road where I broke out, opened up an internet company with a little whiz-bang kid who had started out as my client, Mark Jenny, awesome friend to this day, former business partner. I also had started down the road of a large mental retardation company I built for the client of the firm at the time. And so I've always been kind of an entrepreneur, Tony. The, The legal part was something that really well-rounded my business acumen more than I would say that I was a lawyer that opened my eyes up to the rest of uh, the business world. So I just brought a, a substantial advantage to my business life by being a corporate and business lawyer, which has a specialty in tax. And so because of that, I have a, a remarkable advantage in the world of business. No, I, I mean, that's why I call you one of my mentors. One of the uh, questions I would be curious, what was one of the first businesses you kind of like tried on your own, maybe in your neighborhood that you were out hustling, selling? Were you one of those kind of kids? Oh, I ha- I've had it all. 
I, I actually don't know of a business you could say that's appropriate. I probably even had some inappropriate ones in the college days where you take some money for people and give them back money if they win and you keep money if they lose. Call oh, I've a- never heard of, yeah. do you draw like a pyramid and you give them like spaces? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? All right, cool. You know, I'm just hypothetically talking, but early on it all started. My brother loves this story, but it's true. He broke his arm in football and he had a paper out big one, bike, the whole thing. I was little. I took it over. And when he was healthy, his customers didn't want him back because I had not only increased the route, but I had just done a better job. And I literally went from there. I'm like, wait a minute, I get money slinging papers correctly onto someone's porch. I turned that into a whole bunch of things. I had a detailing business where I cleaned people's cars. I delivered you know, food for people. I, I went approached dentists in our town and started delivering their molds and casts for fulfillment of dentures and all that stuff and turn that into a little delivery business. I look, I was an ice cream delivery guy, like one of those ice cream trucks, you know, the David Lee Roth song. Did you actually deliver any? Because you probably ate it all. I know you and your sweet tooth. Well, you know, you have to sample the product. (laughs) So you got to know what you're giving out. All right. So along those jobs, what was something that you were able to identify pretty early on about yourself? You know, I, I just, I learned one thing. I'm, probably not even close to the smartest guy in the room, but I just outwork everybody. Like I just watch. And and by the way, I've really struggled with this, like in a maturity sense of being annoyed when people quit. But I I really early on realized I'm just absolutely willing to stick around after everyone quits. I just outwork everybody. That's what I did. And anything that looks successful of mine, I just outwork everybody. All right. So I'm going to ask the tough question here. Was that instilled by your parents? I think it was instilled in spite of my parents, actually. I think it was a God-given part of my talent, that uh, borderline necessity to survive in spite of my environment. Very broken home, lots of drugs, sex, issues of uh, generational depravity. Really interestingly, one side of my, my dad's family, you know, real kind of traditional, no divorces. My mom's side was a complete train wreck, the details of which are, but when those two worlds collided, my mom and dad's world was equally a train wreck. Now they're both dead now and loved them. They were severely flawed people. I suspect we all are, but their flaws really impacted our, our family. And, and so at some point along the way, I decided I was on my own. Couldn't really rely on them or anyone else. And, and you had that. some siblings too. I have a twin sister and two older siblings. My two older siblings come from a different father, but my twin and I were still thick as thieves. And, you know, she's a wonderful person in my life. I love her to death. And she cares a ton about me, probably second to my wife, which is really cool. But I, I had kind of made this mental decision, incorrectly, might I add, that I was on my own. And so I, my best friend forever has become me. You know, I, the joke in my family, Deb said, who are you out there talking to? I'm like, my best friend. Yeah, I uh, I can relate to that. And I bet you a lot of people listening today can relate a little bit to that as well. You know, I understand your tough upbringing. We've had pretty much some serious in-depth conversations about our upbringing. What does that look like? I know you your father passed a little over a year ago, and I know that he lived with you for a while and you've done pretty much everything you can to help people. And that that's the the servant. We mentioned a little bit about God, but that's the servant leader in you is that ability to want to help people from something of somebody who broke, you know, basically had a broken home comes this heart, something of a condition that, you know, I think you either go two ways. I think you either lead towards no screw everybody, or you lead towards, I want to help people. And I love that part about you. You, that's why not only do I look up to you, I can hang out with you because it's a race to see who's going to help that person first. And because I know not, it's like, Ooh, let me show you I'm helping and being of, Ooh, look at me. It's more like, 
let me do what I know is true to be on my heart, which is to be of service. And I'll be real, like, I appreciate that. Like, I've been given a gift of hospitality. And I think, you know, if you really want to be an effective leader, you have to be a quality servant. If servanthood is beneath you, then leadership is always going to be above you. It's a quote by a dear friend of mine who says that all the time. It just resonates with me. But I'll be honest with you, early on, my desire to serve people would have probably not be as a proper motive as it looks like and has matured now. I think early days, I wanted to be the hero. And I went out of my way to serve to get like accolades for success and and helping other people because I wanted to hear that I was important. I wanted to hear that I was helping people. I was gifted to do those things, but I was I was probably more motivated to hear you tell me I was awesome than I was to just kind of do it. What was like sports like for you growing up with your parents kind of having some of the issues that you experienced growing up? Were you felt like you were alone playing on the sports court? Like were you like the athlete and you looked at the stands and mom and dad are not there? Yeah, you know, my dad uh, worked a lot. And so I actually, as part of that do it alone thing, he just didn't show up to stuff. My mom would if she could, you know, she worked multiple jobs all the time. My mom was a hard worker, but she was from a broken family. And so she went out of her way to, you know, I was incorrectly or correctly so how she did it. I was always like, kind of like, I was a mama's boy, right? So I was always the one, you know, I think my mom saw me as her way out. It was, it was her opportunity for success. And uh, she died before my dad. And I, I think there was always some truth to that. You know, there was mom just always was like, no matter what, I got Vinny in my pocket. And, and uh, there were a lot of truth. I always told her that. So when I would look in the stands, you know, I think another part to your question is they weren't there, but all the people on that team were like my brothers. And, you know, they were, the coaches were almost like dads to me. And with my personality, these coaches knew they needed to ride me, pound me, hit me really hard and knew I was come back. You know, I just style out the personality I had. And, but it became family to me. Like I wanted to hang out more with them than I even did like my mom, who I, you know, I, growing up was closer to than with my dad. Yeah, no, I, and I, I ask these questions because it allows me and the audience to understand, you know, Success is one thing, right? Like, you know, you can say I made a lot of money, but I've also made a lot of money and blown a lot of money. I followed my father growing up. I thought that was the path that I needed to, you know, duplicate. You know, he had made millions and lost millions. So what did I do? Made millions and lost millions. Then I watched him make millions again. Then he lost it. And then I'm like working on not losing it because now I have better framework, right? So in this early upbringing, all these multiple jobs, doing the paper route better than your brother, and then just seeing to yourself, wow, I've got this ability to out hustle, out work, do more. I'll stay late. Everybody goes home. Here's Vinny. What do you need, boss? Like, what do you need? I'll go make it happen. Where have you seen that not serve you? Yeah. So the probably the biggest lesson I learned, and, and I really thank Mark Jenny for punching me in the face on some of this, but I, because I was so conditioned to outworking everybody, I would always raise my hand to take the ball. <laughs> Early days of business, I, I would take on more work and hold other people back on the team. And because of that combination combined with overcommitment, my yeses weren't yeses and my noes weren't noes. I was overcommitted, underperforming at times because I just distorted view that I, that I couldn't be okay with a lesser version of me doing it. And so because of that, I'd raise my hand at every occasion to take the ball. And it wasn't developing anyone around me or a line behind me of people who, who wanted to be on the team. And I remember that one sober day when Mark, we were in a big meeting with a big staff and we asked about a project and Mark looked at me and said, you're not allowed to raise your hand for the ball. 
And I was like, what do you mean? And we're in front of everybody. We're talking a big crew. He was like, you know, you always do that. And I will talk about it, but maybe this isn't the place to do it. And, you know, with my wonderful, charming and soft personality, I said, no, now is the time to do it. And we got into this whole discussion about always wanting to run with the ball because I see myself as the best at it. No, I, I get that 100%. I was in a conversation with some friends the other day and he said to me, you know, that Tony, that no, just N-O is a complete sentence. Hmm. And so is yes. It's a complete sentence. And I really can relate to that yes mentality. As we're climbing up Success Mountain, a couple of things that you know keep popping up to me, your purpose, how you've kind of worked to design your life accordingly, all the things that you saw along the way, the influence of Mark and your wife and your parents and the people around you loving on you, the coaches really kind of laying into you and instilling Like if you want something bad enough, it's up to you, right? And I think so many times, and then when something goes wrong, we want to blame others instead of taking personal responsibility. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to be on the show is because of your personal responsibility and how you've had to kind of own some of the messes that you've gotten into and life's lessons that you've learned along the way. So you're early on into your career as an entrepreneur, you get into a hosting business you rival or are basically your partners around that time or are the companies that are out there is GoDaddy. I think web.com. Let's see. Earthlink was running hosting. I'm trying to think of all the other great companies. Early days of Bluehost, HostGator. That was early days of all that. They yeah. were while we were rising. Yep. So why a hosting company? I mean, I know from a looking back standpoint, man, why not? Everybody wanted a .com. They get into business and they need a property and why not be a host? So we had a work at home publishing business where we taught you how to work from home. We built before SurveyMonkey, you know, I personally built the first survey product that ever existed. Well, that was the genesis to letting and helping mostly moms work at home and do rebates and surveys for companies back when like technology is way different than it is now. Well, our largest vendor slash affiliate commissions came from referring our clients out to hosting companies. And when we sold off that business, we both joked and said, well, you know, the thing we made the most of was our affiliate commissions from hosting. Why don't we take a shot at that? We know how it works. It was that simple. All right. Hosting company. What happened to it? Where is it at today? It's gone. It's parts and pieces are part of other hosting companies. It's customer base is part of a, a firm in California. Here's the skinny. It was humping. It was doing north of 4 million a month in revenue. It was doing lots of signups every day. I handed the ball off. Our board kind of talked about it. It was ultimately my decision and I let it happen. I handed the ball off to someone else to operate it. In my arrogance, if you go back to my earlier answer, I took the ball and ran a lot with things. Well, in my arrogance or blindness or both, lack of humility, I thought that the business was stable enough. It was just a really big company that I had a really hard job and I disguised it really well. And as soon as I handed the ball off to a guy who was ill-prepared to do it, combined with some you know, malfeasance and some other things. This is some unfortunate situations. By the time I grabbed the, so to speak, wheel back, we had crashed from over 4 million to just a little over a million a month in revenue. And if you understand hosting, it was such a death to the business because of deferred obligations and liabilities as well as obligations in service. And so we had a tax bill sitting, you know, and it shutters people. And I, you know, we had a big old tax bill sitting there that just wiped the cash out of the company. And at that point I had moved on mentally and physically and I could have fixed it. 
I could have dug down and fixed it. And when I look back, I really should have. I just didn't. I bailed. And I went towards uh, my greener pasture of what I was building. And I scuttled the parts and sold it. No, I get it. I mean, a lot of people, they're building something. We talk about it. Sometimes it's your muse. It, It allows you the ability to kind of create and do the other things that you love. But looking back today, as you look back on your biggest lesson that you learned about yourself, your biggest lesson, what do you think you've kind of matured from, from back in the day of like, you know, you still that entrepreneur, you want to create something and you're like, okay, I've got to the point where I can't run anymore because I want to go find something new. Coach is passing me the ball. I want to go shoot. So somebody else needs to run it. I've had that opportunity happen many times in my life. That's why I'm asking this insight from you. What's the biggest lesson you've learned looking back? Humility. You know, I'll tell you, I, I'm quick to an opinion and I can kind of go for what I think is the right thing to do. So instead of having all the answers, I've started developing and I've been developing, asking better questions. And so because of that, all of that with humility and having a servant's attitude and asking better questions. I have sensed that the one thing I was never going to let happen again is have no depth on my executive team. I've gone from that to really my core people right directly connected to me, good critical thinkers who are developed every day. And so because of better questions, instead of telling them exactly all the smart things I think I know how to do. All right. So hosting company, what year was that roughly? started in 2010 and it officially ended in 2014, but it was dead in, in early 2013. So then you decided to do what? Like, what's the next as, we, as we're climbing to the top here and, and we see like, you know, I, I, I'm thinking to myself, 4 million, I'm just thinking revenue, 4 million a month, what your life was like? Sort of $50 million in revenue. And we were having a great run. I was making a bunch of money as a young guy, having a blast spending it. So you say about your parents, like blowing it. My parents put a dollar in one pocket. It came out of nickel in the other. So I just went on a spending crazy spree of everything because I just really didn't have any thought process of saving or doing any of those things. So it was like wild, wild west, spend it, burn it, do whatever you can do it. But in the process of the hosting company, I had had this desire to be in the supplement space. So we launched a supplement brand. We went very quickly from zero to hero in the space of mass market supplements. And, you know, we were pretty quickly doing north of a couple million in revenue. We peaked out at three and change a month, three million a month in revenue. And uh, we were having a blast and having a lot of fun with it, actually. So what'd you do with that business? I sold it off. We actually did all right. It was good. We, uh, I got to be honest with you. I realized I didn't love I didn't wake up fulfilled other than just making money from kind of mass market stuff with not really, because had I, I did stop, but my thinking was had I stopped doing it, they'll just step over my dead body and someone else will do it. And I didn't feel aligned back to my original part of success with I was doing or being equipped for what I'm actually designed and meant to be doing. And that all started during the health supplement company. I just, I wasn't fulfilled. But I actually felt emptier as it got successful, more more successful. What do you think that is? Because it was all just a, you know, I'm an excellent marketer. So I was working at offers and conversion and you know, getting things to convert and selling things to people. And I, I didn't care about, you know, I mean, I cared it worked, but I didn't ultimately have any passion around supplementation. I just was, I saw a need in the marketplace and I took full advantage of it. And I, I didn't wake up desiring to increase the value of the health community. Not one bit. 
And I just had no passion in it. And so there are people who are wonderful at it. We have lots of clients who love it and do it. And there's some who do it the way I did it and good for them. And that works and they feel good, but I didn't. So your partner that we talked earlier about, your wife, you, you gave a little intimacy. Hey, hey, babe, that's for you. Um, what is her thought around Vinny going and starting businesses, getting them really big, kind of ultimately selling them off and moving? Is she cool with that comfortably, like deep down inside? Or does that cause you a little bit of those, some uncomfortableness at home where you're having these, these tough conversations? 25 years in the first half of that or more, probably I'm going to say almost 15 of that, there were a lot of friction over me being a startup specialist. And I just was a deal junkie, right? So it was more about starting it than it was about growing it. And Deb and I, those were some of our friction times was her being a much more stable person to me that didn't need highs and lows, just kind of wanted to keep investing in us. And I just needed the deal junkie stuff. I needed stuff to be on fire and hot. Well, I remember when we both kind of came to terms with it. I love to start things and grow things. And she realized who she married. When those two things started maturing, our marriage hit another level. And I really appreciate her uh, wanting to support what's built in me. And I love the fact that we've had the room where I've allowed for like the leading in my life to continue to develop and mature what I'm really meant to be doing. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break on the Be Fulfilled show and we're going to come back. It's the real stories behind success. Today's special guest, Vinny Fisher. We spoke a little bit about his purpose, design, talks about sin. He talks about sometimes being that deal junkie. I hear a little bit of boredom happens, sets in and he kind of goes, okay, what's next? What's new? We're going to talk about that and so much more when we return in just a couple seconds on the Be Fulfilled show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, we are back on the Be Fulfilled Show today. Good friend of mine, Vinny Fisher. We were talking a little bit about the supplement company that he ran for several years. That's actually how we got connected. We met through the supplement space. I still remember that initial very first phone call with you. I was renting a home in Colorado. I still remember why I was renting that home because I blew all my money and had a short seller house from California. And I was living finally within my means because I had lived beyond my means for so long. And I remember I was home one day and the phone rang and I was renting an 1800 square foot place. And I just moved from like a 4,600 square foot place. The phone rang and I, I saw your name come across. And I was in flip-flops in my, my shorts. I was sitting outside and Mark, I think, was helping you or working with you on a project. And I just remember saying to myself, I don't know who this guy is, but man, if I can figure out how to close this deal, I have literally hit a grand slam. I look back on that conversation long after I struck out, long after everything, I found a manager of somebody that I can go to at my darkest times, even in my best of times. And that's been you. And I just want to love on you because you know, yeah, you have all the success, you have all the glory, 25 years into marriage, you found that partner more so today on the second half of your togetherness, how awesome marriage is and how dynamically it is to be a father, to raise your kids, to instill in them, I think a belief system that gives them the ability to choose for themselves, but also to look back on biblical times and to see doing things the right way versus just kind of how guess it and hope that it works out. You've instilled 
as a Christian, you've instilled some principles that they live by. I love the order in your house. I've been to your house, stayed the night many times, not in your room, in the basement. And um, some of the things that I admire, V, is that you have this ability to walk into a room and light it up. You have a room to walk, you just walk in and you're like, there's Vinny. And you don't walk into the room like with a red light over you flashing. It's just, you're just fun. You like, you just, you take over the room. I think you could have been a stand up comedian. I really do at times. I think you, your career path could have been like entrepreneur meets stand up comedy. Do you agree or disagree? You know, if I had better material, maybe, but, you know, I, you know, I, you just give me so much good stuff to work with. <laughs> All right. So what I want to do, so supplement industry, you sell, you sell the biz. And you parlay that into your next big deal, which is a vision. You had this, I think maybe it's from your kind of law days. You see a need in the industry, you see something and you design and create after working at it for, for a long period of time, you launch Fully Accountable. What is Fully Accountable? You know, I just want to touch one little thing that you said, if I could, to your show. So I'm at your party, but you know, I think that there's all kinds of ideas and I think ideas, everybody, lots of us have them. And then there's this idea of a burden or something that's kind of burning within you. I think that journey from idea to burden is what leads towards vision. And I think I had a burden in our supplement company, aware of acquisition costs, margin, lifetime value, things that also haunted me in our hosting company, might I add. And I realized I had fiscal irresponsibility and I didn't know it. And I then also realized all my friends did. And I launched Fully Accountable to like be sick and tired of the old accounting firm way of doing things and be extremely annoyed by it and bothered and burdened. And instead of just all due respect, bitching and moaning about it, I did something about it. I put my own checkbook in the place. I stopped and divested myself of really high lucrative product-based businesses that, again, weren't really moving the value needed for me. And I invested in what everyone considers extremely boring, dry service company that met the needs of what I would consider a more relevant environment to accounting and in our digital space. And so today, we focus on e-commerce companies, digitally-based companies, and agencies and vendors that service those style of businesses. And that's our entire client base. It started by leaning on my Rolodex, which I'm thankful to even have one of them. And then it's just grown from there. And it's, it's, it's experiencing its best form of growth right now. And, you know, with this new tax reform in place, that certainly isn't hurting things over at Fully Accountable. But, you know, you said something earlier that I think is important, but it's gone. It's three plus years old now and it's growing healthily. And I love what's going on there. But uh, you're going to ask a question maybe that led to a pattern of activity. Uh, no, no, I, I don't spot any kind of uh, patterns or anything. I, I just know, okay, you got fully accountable. Then I decided from where I was at in the world and business and life to better our friendship to work a little closer beside you by just understanding who you were, you decided to launch a business mastermind for CEOs. Yeah. What's the name of that company? Well, Total CEO. 
right? Yep. Later in life. And it's an executive training company. It's equipping small business owners to grow and scale a profitable company. And uh, I can tell and you, and like specifically, if you'd like that whole design of that mission uh, is even more detailed in my mind about it. And it only has been recently that I've been willing to say it out loud. And I'm going to admit on your show a little bit of friction where I was not willing to admit it, but that total CEO is designed for leadership in life training and, and executive training for married men. Married men that are business owners, because I really feel called and burdened. That wasn't opened up over an idea. That started with this like burning need to be extremely annoyed by the loss of marriage for men and all their stuff. And now it's actually going to be the probably the largest focus of my growth personally, because I feel very burdened uh, to jump in and help come alongside men who are business owners who are married. And because a house that's divided won't stand. And if your marriage is falling apart, then your business is either getting extremely invested into as the way to save your life, or it's following course and everything's going to destroy around you. So do you think Total CEO is the right name for what you're up to? Eh, I don't know. I no, I, you're a name guy. So you own a hosting company. So I figured it out. Like we've had. This is what it is. It started there. It's, it's got a brand. It's got a fun thing. It's, you know, I'm my fully accountable and total team. I very much care about their names and what they are in the service world. Total CEO, I care about making sure that I'm continuing to be more real and honest with exactly who I'm being asked to work with uh, more than I, I guess I care about its name. I love that. One of the things that I was just going to say to the audience listening today, so 2015, our company, Ship Offers, we're, we're doing well. But joining Total CEO was the biggest needle mover I think I saw from 2015 to 2016 in our company mm. due to the simple fact that being surrounded by, I don't want to say high-level achievers, dreamers and thinkers and doers, but people who embody what I want to be around. You curated a great group and I've seen many come, many go, but I've seen many stay and the many who have stayed. Now you have that brotherhood. Now you have that. We're going through seasons together. And you were talking about seasons in your life a few minutes ago. And we were talking about the ups and the downs and you need that committee. That committee who sees you four times a year, but understands what's going on in between your ears is that you're an entrepreneur and that you face, just like anything, difficulties. Mm-hmm. And But you have a place to come where you can bring them to the board and more or less talk about the real, I think, the matters at hand, which is marriage. I think it's business. I think it's finances. I think it's your faith. I think it's, it's the things that I don't hear a lot of people talking about because it's all sugarcoated in our community. Look at me. I got a new Lambo or a new Ferrari, a new Maserati, blah, 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 blah. But what's really under the hood is the stuff that you're talking about. And that's why I said yes. And I keep re-signing up because it's been one of the biggest needle movers for our company is I got to go to Cleveland. But going to Cleveland, I've learned so much about who I am as a human being because I've gotten to spend more time with people like you and others who are really working on improving who they are as a human being. Hey, don't forget Cleveland rocks. Yeah, we're going to ask some of those questions coming up in just a couple of minutes on the fulfillment round. Hey, so just a couple seconds ago, you dropped another company name, which is Total Team. So we talked a little bit about, you know, I think what I know to be true is that when you find somebody like you, you're a rare breed in my opinion, because you may have some failures around you, but you have a lot of ideas. And do you have a board of directors of people that you pick up besides your wife and Rachel and some other people, myself and Ed, 
how do you curate all the conversations going on in your brain to actually push them out into the world where you're like, what do you think of this idea? I've already been building it. So I'm just going to ask you 15 questions to see what kind of feedback I get from you really quick. By the way, I've already been building this thing. What do you uh, do? I'm actually quite honestly, I, I have dear friends in my life who Good. keep counsel from, but I, I, I actually have, I have absolutely no problem taking the friction from the general community and presenting an idea and curating as I go. I'm really thankful to be built that way. You know, I see something, go with it. I tend to be somebody who will jump off the cliff and then evaluate whether I have a parachute. So I, I tend to be okay with seeking and soliciting opinion on the fly. I'm not as reckless in investment in what I'm doing. You know, Total Team grew out of Fully Accountable. It was a natural growth out of it because the number one question asked of all of our accountants was dealing with the operations in their team. And we were doing a massive amount of work underneath that brand. Well, when we would approach people and say we could do that for them, they're like, well, you're just accountants. What do you mean you could do that? The moment that it really hit me that my 17 years of experience in corporate development and training and employment law was masked under an accounting company. I was literally like the team I built around Rachel and Ashley and and them, it required me to pull it out. And I actually think it's the coolest name of everything we do. I think it's cool. It stands for exactly its mission. We have, we keep doubling in size every month. What Total Team is doing with hiring, training and retaining eight players, I think is actually of all the cool things we've done, I think it's the best thing to date we're building. I think that all lines up abundance, passion, clarity, focus, vision, purpose. I'm the brand ambassador of Total Team and Fully Accountable. My core mission sits at helping men as business owners. And I'm thankful to have teams who run each one of those brands. Yeah. The new one you launched, Total Team, it was hit a, just to hit a home run out of the park for us. We just hired a new top level person for our team. How's that going? It's amazing. It's a weekend, bro. And it's like, oh my gosh, we actually did more things right this time. Set her up, created her first day, her first week, stuff that we never used to do. We just hire people and hope they you know, know how to swim, right? Now we're like, okay, planning stuff out and strategizing and jumping into events and planning and all these things. So I just want to say thank you to your team. Well, congratulations, first off. That's such a big win for ship offers. So we, I couldn't be happier for you. All right, so let's go ahead. We're at the top of Success Mountain. As we, we stood there for just a brief moment, I need five lessons from you you've learned really quick, business and in life that you are more aware of and just you're going to fire these really, really quick. So they could be like awareness, like just five things that you have spotted about yourself in your business journey. And then after that, we're going to start the fulfillment round. Okay. Do you need the five now? Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, there's a verse, John 3.30 in the Bible. It says, I must become less so that he could become more. I realize that I have to make it less and less in life about me and more about him. And the more I do that, the more I be his servant. And I mean, my Lord, our King, the more everything else lines up. I am devoted to spending personal time in my growth and being a servant of the Lord. I'll tell you, that's the biggest one. So far, second place would be being open and clear communication. And where that started was just going back into my heart and finding these gigantic wounds that existed that I just was covering up. I didn't know. I was I was maybe even unaware. Just to paint this illustration, I say I was acting at 88%. I didn't know that there was this 12% void in my heart that existed. And it, by going through the work of dealing with that, it has literally changed the course of generations of our family. The next one is that I'm equipping 
warriors in my life. I'm hopefully, and, and believe this, that because I'm convinced in where I'm going, I'm working on a legacy not built on my name on things, but on, on the growth of warriors who will take what I've started and the Lord's allowed me to build and put it in somewhere else. And so because of those three things, then I literally have the fourth one is I made a decision to start respecting my time. And I couldn't whine about everyone else not expecting it if I didn't respect it myself. And so uh, they expect to have it all for whenever they wanted it. And why would that be their fault when I allowed that to be the case? So because I changed that and I listened to this guy, Jesse, who was really cool, he asked me how much time I was investing in myself. So the last thing is I flipped my entire schedule in life and I invest in our firm foundation that builds off of my mental and spiritual and physical health. And because of that, those four things previously named before it are better. And all the things that flow out of things that I have the burden and blessing of working on are that much better. No, I love that. I appreciate you sharing. I mean, it, you know, I think when we reflect, right, when we spend some time and we go back and we look at like how we got to where we're at, you know, as we walk down success mountain and realize that everything is part of the journey, there's no destination anymore, right? I love to say this and I hate to say this at the same time. We're all born and then we die. And in between we live. How do you want to be remembered? What do you want to give to the world, to your family and to others is ultimately what you find on your journey. I think is how do you want to be remembered? If someone at the end of your life says, ladies and gentlemen, we're really sorry. We lost a, an amazing warrior. However, I'll tell you and show you how this gentleman lived. And I hope today you are inspired to take massive action in your life. I think that's ultimately what I want to do is I want to instill in my kids that they have the ability to go and do anything that's possible. I don't want to put any weights on them to hold them back or down. I want to share and show them all the things that I believe in and give them the ability to choose because I think choice is one of the most powerful things that we have. Unfortunately, we choose so many times to follow others without doing any of the investigative work ourselves. So I just want to say thank you for being candid, opening up, sharing some of the stuff that's tough, but it's also the important stuff. And as we get into the fulfillment round, there's no right or wrong. It's just us, you and me. We're going to laugh. I know you're an author. I know you've written many, many books. So are you ready to start the fulfillment round? I'm ready. All right. Favorite book that you have read besides yourself and the Bible? Besides the Bible. Um, you know, it's funny. I guess I gotta tell you a funny story if I could. My son, Jacob, we laugh because his favorite movie is always the last one he saw. And I actually started to realize, I think, Squirrel. I think there's some truth to me liking certain books. It's the, I read a lot. And so I like a current book I'm reading. It's called Visioneering by Andy Stanley. And that's a really good book. I uh, really enjoyed a book that I go back to from time to time called The Wizard of Ads from Roy Williams. Mm. I just like the anecdotal stuff in there. So it's light, but it's also convicting for me. So I really appreciated that. I think my personality leans towards things that are deeper and thought-provoking. So I tend to like things that spur off of leadership development stuff. So I have a list of those, and I'd be happy to publish that to your group at some point. Sure, I'd love it. All right, the dumbest thing you've ever done and don't regret doing it. I stowed away on a cruise before I became all electronic. And Wait, 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 wait. You stowed away on a cruise? Did your parents, like, drop you off and get you? We went on a spring break trip and I was going to stay at Yankees spring training. And my grandpa 
uh, was the manager of Pompano Beach Raceway, and he had this inn with the Yankees, and it was this rock star thing he had set up for me. Well, my friend Mark, his dad was a big exec at one of the cruise lines. We'll leave that out of the story. But I was on a cocktail party, which they don't do anymore, to start these cruises, and I realized I wanted to stay. So I took his boarding pass and room key out of his uh, little Bahama Jama shirt and stayed on a cruise for a week, and uh, it was a blast. You literally couldn't do what I did today. You cannot do it. It's not possible because of all the electronic check-in. And my mom called me on the ship and they're paging me. And I finally call her from Jamaica. I'm like, mom, you can't call me on the ship. She's like, my gosh, you're going to die. How old were you? I was, uh, so that would have been my second year in college. So I was 19 going on 20. I could just imagine. I could just... No passport uh, in another country. If I get arrested, I'm probably going to a Mexican prison. Yeah. I laugh about it with my kids all the time. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever done. And I'm so glad I did it. Sophia, Vinny, don't take advice from your dad on this one. (laughs) All right. Favorite piece of advice you've ever received and actually applied to your life? Uh, Came from a friend of mine, Jim, who said that I need to be more careful with my tongue and not so quick to say things that are inaccurate. And I'm so thankful that our friendship got deeper and that his questioning of the integrity of my words changed that significantly. All right. Big night in Cleveland, and you have a choice to make. Game seven of either the Indians in the World Series or game seven of the Cavs. They're right across the street from each other. You can't pick the middle, and you can't see both. Where does your heart bleed more for, the Cavs or the Indians? The only reason I'm going to pick the Indians is because it's such a heartbreaker. They need one. Our beloved Cavs are the best team in the NBA, and and they're even better than that team you call the Warriors. So I already have tasted glory at the expense of your team. And so it's got to be the Indians because we now own the longest drought in that sport. And it it pains me to say, but I, the tribe. We need it. We deserve it. Although and I think, I, I think there's, there's something, something to take, you know, you're not giving it. So I deserve it. And we better get it. We better make it happen. No. And I think there's something cool about baseball, that tradition, that American pastime. Oh, it's my favorite sport. I, I want to let you know that there's, there's a simplicity to that sport that just makes baseball almost romantic. I love it. So, yeah. Do you like the strategy aspect of it as the game goes on and you see all the managerial moves or is there something Yeah, I more? think I was designed for baseball in a lot of ways. I love being strategic and know when to make certain decisions. And I think my brain is why I love building stuff. I think it falls along that way. I'm not the number counter bookkeeper count point uh, strikes and pitches, but I like the strategic alignment stuff. It's really cool. All right. A favorite memory of your dad and how you have chosen to help make that memory live on. Yeah, so my dad was a guy's guy, right? He'd walk into the room and he'd always be like, hey, buddy, good to see you. Well, um, I remember as a kid one time, his two best friends were up at my my grandparents' camp and they were outside. And um, my dad was always like joking around with his buddies. Well, they had gotten this little rabbit or something and they wouldn't let me keep it. I wanted to keep it. But my dad let me go on a motorcycle ride with his best friend and my mom was fit to be tied. And even better, as we were leaving, he let me stick the rabbit in my coat as we took it for a ride on this like kind of almost joy ride. So it was a hilarious moment that when I'm feeling like whatever, I just laugh about that. And it was a really cool day. I love it. Biggest health decision you've recently made in your life? 
there's two of them. One was changing how I eat and what I eat. But more importantly, I, I made a decision to hire a physical trainer who helps to hold me accountable to work out every day. So I have the habit of eating well, and I'm so thankful for that. But when I coupled that with realizing, and I used to make a joke from stage that sweating is reserved for people who run from the police or animals. I just didn't like it and I couldn't develop a habit of it. Well, I'm every day becoming stronger physically. And I'm so thankful for my friend Glenn, who holds my butt accountable every day to, to work out. No, I love him. He's a fellow member too and total CEO. So I love that. All right. One last question. We got a chance this summer to meet up. I happened to be on a cruise. I didn't see you as a stowaway on there. So it was nice. Nobody nice. got arrested. Nobody got thrown overboard. Um, you were on a kind of a, an excursion with some of your good friends from Cleveland. I believe one is also a pastor at the local church. And just you've built this kind of a really amazing relationship and you were with your wife and you got a chance. Our wives got a chance to finally meet together. We met in Cinque Terre and just had a nice time. So Italy is definitely always on my list of places to visit. What are three items on your bucket list that you would love to work towards seeing in the next several years that you haven't been to yet? Yeah, I, I actually, one of them's coming up. I really, I just have this infatuation with seeing the pyramids. So I just want to see them. I, I know it's going to be like Grand Canyon. I'm going to see them and be like, yeah, done. But it's like this thing I want to do. I want to walk the steps that our Lord did. And I know that's going to be painful, but I really feel like Jerusalem is kind of calling me. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be more of a history thing than it feels, than it's going to feel like a vacation. And then quite honestly, I, I actually, I can't believe as young as I am, I'm going to say this. I am desiring to be a grandparent. I am like, Debbie, plug your ears, plug your ears. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I see like younger children now. And I, not from a standpoint of, you know, me wanting younger ones, but I see like my older children now, I can see at the end of the tunnel where I'm going to have an opportunity to invest generationally. And I'm excited about it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Vinny Fisher, unscathed through the fulfillment round. A couple things. Thanks first and foremost for being a friend, being somebody who calls me out on my stuff and allows me to strive to work on becoming a better human being every single day. I thank you for that. I thank you that when I look to my left of all these amazing people that I've met, you're in three of the pictures. It's just kind of funny how you've played such an intricate part into my growth over the last couple of years. So I just want to say thank you for that. I like how um, you strategically place them so that I can't be seen. That's good. It's good. No, I got you everywhere, bro. And you know, one of the interesting things that I, I always dive into, and I have to, for, I'm, I'm going to admit something and I don't normally even get like this, but the very first time I was very new to you and I kind of getting to know each other and I was coming out, you had asked me to kind of share a little bit at a strategy and execution you did back, I think it was in October or September of 15. And you said, hey, would you come out? I'm sure. And you said, hey, I'd love to interview. I was scared because <laughs> I don't know what's going to come out of your mouth. But now that I'm in control of the microphone, I have like I, this comfort like I have now, like I have a comfortableness around you and I love it. And I know that we've been courtside at many games in Cleveland and I just, thanks to you. I, I love your family and I love who you are and I love how you just kind of want to help men and women to be better versions of themselves, but also following, I think it's a very simple path, which is the Lord. And I think when I shape it myself and who do I want to serve and how do I want to live and how do I want to be reflected upon, I want people to say, you know, he was the hands and the feet. He did the things the right way. He didn't do things to make anybody else look bad. He did things to honor his God. 
And I love that about you. And I love that that conviction is in who you are and it comes out in all things that you are. That's a gift, my friend. That is an absolute gift. So thank you very much for coming on the show. If you listen today, hopefully you found something that you can take with you. Hopefully you understand that success is not a thing. It's not obtainable. I think it's something that you strive for and everybody's version of success looks a little different. So I asked the question at the beginning and I also asked the question at the end as we went up and down the mountain today and we talked a little bit about what does it take to be successful? I always love to know, like, what's your definition of success? Hmm. You heard my first part. Another part I'm going to add to that is that since, you know, I was really designed and equipped to lead many, you know, without leadership, people shall perish. When I think about this idea of turning around, are people standing in line because they want to? And I'm thankful because I can turn around and there's a line there because they want to be there. All right. I uh, just want to say, you know, Vinny, the person that I know behind the scenes, behind the mic, behind the lights is the person you guys just got a chance to hear today. So like, I love that. That's something that I love too, is that people go onto a show and they show you the shiny stuff. They show you everything that this is, it all looks good. But we talked a little bit about kind of that piece where you're like, look, man, I didn't come from polished silver and stones. Everything was beautiful, tons of gems. And it was a rough childhood and I had to deal with adversity. Both of your parents are gone. What would be one piece of advice if you had one and it was your four kids and your gerbil, I <laughs> can't forget about your gerbil, four kids, gerbil, and you had a chance to be holding your wife and you could look at your kids and you say, one piece of advice you'd want them to remember for the rest of their life. Have an eternal perspective. And if you have that in your head on decisions that you make, then you're going to have a longer term perspective in the way you decide to make that immediate decision. All right. How do people get in contact with you? What's the best way? Uh, you know, you can go to vinniefisher.com and, and that contact thing goes right to me. You can hit me on Facebook. I'm very accessible. You just type in V-I-N-N-I-E Fisher, F-I-S-H-E-R, and you can find me. If you don't, you go ahead and call me out, but you can get me any way through there. You can always go to totalteam.com. You can go to thetotalceo.com fullyaccountable.com. But really, I'm very accessible. And I'd be happy to help you point you in the right direction, even if we aren't it to what you need to help getting to the next stage in your journey. I love that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Vinny Fisher. You do have to go to Google and type more than just Vinny, because if you type in that, you'll get my cousin Vinny and you'll get something else. But if you type in Vinny Fisher, you will find him. You can look in the show notes, look back. I'm happy to get you connected to him as well. Thank you for being a guest on Be Fulfilled. As always, it's an absolute honor and a privilege to call you a friend, somebody that mentors me, somebody who helps guide me, but shows me that the way by living the truth and by showing me that it's okay to admit your faults, it's okay to get up and say, hey, you know what, that didn't work out, but let's keep moving forward. I think you gave that mindset throughout the entire interview. So I just wanted to say thank you again for being on the show. Thanks for having me on, bud. You know, it's the season, right? So gratefulness, like I I just, I'm grateful for you, Tony. Like I, this is a burden to get out there and do these things. And so I love that that burden is meeting along with this obligation that's causing you to do this. So that's really cool. And we're all benefiting for it. So thanks, bud. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do. And if you run into a Vinny, make sure it's a Fisher and you give him a big giant hug and tell him, thank you. Make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? 
Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. 